Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. World Soccer Talk Radio, World Soccer Talk Radio. Hope you all had a fantastic Labor Day weekend. My name is Nate Abarea, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to be back with you. Are you enjoying the international break? Remember that, remember that old song, it's the song that never ends. That's how I feel about international breaks. They just go on and on and on. When was the last weekend of Premier League matches, like eight weeks ago or something? International break continues, although there are some great, great fixtures this evening, including Estados Unidos contra Brazil and Mexico, Argentina. That's going to be quite fun. And I am glad to actually be back in my hometown of Watsonville, California, for this edition of World Soccer Talk Radio, the Mexican soccer hotbed of Watsonville. So I look forward to... uh, Checking out the El Tri fixture this evening with all of my Mexican brothers and sisters here in my hometown. It was a great experience up in the city by the bay in San Francisco last week. Doing a couple of shows live from headquarters and spending a couple of additional days in the city. Went way up north for a stand-up comedy festival up in Humboldt County. And I've got a funny little story that's going to tie right back to World Soccer Talk Radio and my beloved San Jose Earthquakes real quick. I was hanging out in San Francisco on Thursday night, and a friend of mine asked me, he said, Nate, if there's one professional soccer player that reminds you of yourself as a player, who would it be? Now, when you answer this question, what are you going to be like, oh, Gareth Bale and, or, you know, or Messi or Neymar, they, they really remind me of, of myself. Now, you've got to be honest about this. You've got to kind of break it down in some funny ways. And I said to my friend, I said, I am a big, slow lug with a mean shot. I can occasionally dime a pass. I know how to find space in the 18. I will kick you because I'm not as fast as you, and that's the only way for me to keep up. I'm going to elbow. I'm going to use my head. I'm going to knee you in your groin. I'm going to do everything that puts me on an even surface with you because I'm slow. I'm fat. All I have is a shot and the ability to find space. You know, I'd say the player that reminds me most of myself, Connor Casey. And we laughed and we said, what the hell ever happened to Connor Casey? Well, just a few days later, I happened to catch the end of the San Jose Earthquakes game after one of my comedy shows up in Arcata, California. I got into the bar in the 73rd minute just in time to see Connor Casey score a brace and end the San Jose Earthquakes winning streak. My spiritual brethren, Connor, Neanderthal, Casey. Cheers to you and cheers to the Philadelphia Union. I guess. Gary Hayes is with us on the other side of this break. World Soccer Talk Radio. Good to be back. Come on, let's have it. See the 
world's best matches. Live, wherever you are, with Fox Soccer to go. Watch select live matches on your smartphone, on your tablet, and on your computer. Get the app, get the games, and get your fix. Live soccer and more. Anytime, anywhere. Sign up to watch the Bundesliga and Champions League at SoccerOnDish.com. If you're a soccer fan and you want to cut the cord and watch more of the beautiful game, NGSN may be the online streaming service you're looking for. FreeSoccerTrial.com. With NGSN, you get live, legal, and on-demand access to matches from the Eredivisie, J-League from Japan, K-League from Korea, Argentina's Primera Division, Portugal, Ecuador, Russian Premier League, as well as leagues from Bolivia, Venezuela, and more. The games are in HD, and commentaries are available in your choice of English or Spanish. And this is a completely new and legal way to watch soccer games in the U.S. Try it, and I think you'll be impressed. All you have to do is go to freesoccertrial.com and sign up today for your free 30-day trial to NGSN. Again, that's freesoccertrial.com. Freesoccertrial.com. Cheers. Football season starts Sunday, and you could kick things off by winning $2 million at DraftKings.com, America's favorite one-week fantasy football site. It's the biggest fantasy football contest ever. $10 million in prizes are up for grabs, including $2 million for first place and $1 million for second. One-week fantasy means no season-long commitments. It's fantasy football on demand. Play where you want, when you want, with the players you want. Just pick your players, pile up the points, and pick up your cash. That's it. You've never experienced football like this. It may only be week one, but it already feels like the playoffs at DraftKings.com. And every broken tackle or spectacular catch could take you closer to a $2 million payday. This isn't fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. Hurry to DraftKings.com now and use promo code Bonsanto to play for free for a shot at part of $10 million in Sunday's Millionaire Maker event. Enter Bonsanto for free entry now only at DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. Howdy, folks. Colonel Sanders here. Time to shake off that boring old weekend and get back to the excitement of labor. You're going to need a good lunch, though. So stop into a KFC for a $5 fill-up with two pieces of original recipe chicken, mashed potatoes and gravy, a biscuit, a cookie, and a medium drink. Okay, then. I'll let you get back to work now. KFC. It's finger-licking good. Some thigh side cookie medium drink. Pricing and participation may vary. Tax extra. World Soccer Talk Radio back here with you on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. My name is Nate Abarea. Tweet me at NateWST. Tweet all of us at World Soccer Talk and at Sports Byline USA. iHeartRadio, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher. Thanks for subscribing to the show on all of those platforms. And a special hello to the men and women overseas listening on the American Forces Network. Check out the website, worldsoccertalk.com. It is a pleasure to welcome back to the show the lead Chelsea correspondent for the Bleacher Report, Mr. Gary Hayes. Gary, how are things with you? Yeah, very good, thanks. Um, hasn't been that great for Chelsea this season, of course, but England continue to keep doing well. So, um, yeah, everything's good. 
Well, let's start right there. The the international break, uh, it, it's interesting. As a Chelsea fan, you normally you, you dread these international breaks. You want to just keep rolling in the Premier League. I'm sure this one was a little bit of a blessing, and you got to see your three Lions book their ticket to France 2016, Gary. Yeah, certainly for England, this, um, it's encouraging to see them keep winning. They're, they're winning 1-0 at the moment against Switzerland after Harry Kane scored, but yeah, it's good. You know, they're undefeated since since the World Cup, which you know they haven't faced many big teams. But given the position they're in at the back end of the the 2014 World Cup, it wasn't very encouraging. So to see them now that they're going to, well, it looks like they're going to keep their 100% winning record in 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 the group. So that's good to see, and they're slowly building some some momentum for new generation of players. But I think uh, from Chelsea's perspective, I think the international break came at a bad time, really, considering that they've got Everton this weekend, and it means that. You know, Mourinho, he, he might have had two weeks off, but the, the problems this Chelsea team have got, he would have rather had two weeks on the training ground than whereas everyone's flying around the globe, playing in their, you know, for their separate countries. And, and now um, you know, they've, they've got to come back, they'll have a, a day or two training, and then they're, they're jetting off to Everton themselves. So I'm not sure it's exactly a good thing for Chelsea, really. Well, and, uh, you'll be uh, calling that game on Rabble.TV on Saturday. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. And uh, we'll get back uh, to the three Lions as well and talk about something that I'm really interested uh, to discuss with you, and that is your infatuation with football programs and the history of football programs in England and how it, in many ways, really all started with Chelsea. So let's actually start with the, this Chelsea-Everton match because last year it was one of the fixtures of the year, and I think it was the third or fourth game uh, of last year uh, as well. And so it'll be the, the fifth fixture for Everton and Chelsea at Goodison uh, this time around. It was the 6-3 match where Tim Howard was just getting beaten left and right. Diego Costa was truly cementing himself as the, the Nelson Muntz villain of, of the Premier League and just sticking out his finger at people and saying, ha ha. Are we, are we expecting another 6-3 this time around? Are we expecting something exactly the opposite of a, of a 6-3 thriller like we had last year at Goodison between these two teams? What are you looking for, Everton-Chelsea, the match that will be kicking off the much-anticipated next uh, weekend of Premier League matches? Well, it's being billed as the, the John Stones derby, isn't it? Because, <laughs> you know, obviously, we, we've, with Chelsea missing out on him the way they did, and I guess it would have been the John Stones derby regardless because if he'd gone to Chelsea, you know, on the, at, the, at the end of the transfer window, his first game for Chelsea would have been against Everton as well. So it's got that added bite to it, isn't it? The, you know, the fact that Chelsea are, are irked and the fact they couldn't get stones and then Everton have got their backs up a bit for the way Chelsea pursued him. But we, I, I think we're certainly going to see goals because you look at this Chelsea team, they can't defend at the moment. They've conceded you know, no less than two goals every game and it's, it's a big concern for them. And you know, going to a hostile stadium on the back of a two-week break isn't ideal anyway. And when you're coming up against a team that are going to have a you know a point to prove, and the fans are going to want to get one over Chelsea more than ever, so you know it's going to be a really difficult game for Chelsea. And you know, two weeks away, whether that does the players any good or not, you know, remains to be seen. But I think for the manager, certainly, he's not going to have liked it, as we've already discussed. And I think Chelsea have got a lot of problems that they they just need to be able to focus on the training pitch. But now, you know, on the back of this game, they've got um, Maccabi Tel Aviv in the Champions League, so. They're going to be playing two, three games a week now, and you know it's going to be game rest, game rest, and they're not going to have much time on the training ground, which is a big concern. Gary, what do you think that's like for Jose Mourinho? It's got to be such a, a an uncommon feeling for him to see a team that he's managing, and this goes for whether it's Chelsea, FC Porto, Madrid, Milan, anywhere, a team that 
as having trouble defending. I mean, that's the, the, the last thing you would expect from a Mourinho side. How do you think he's feeling right now? And what do you think he's going to do to rectify the, uh, the chaos at the back line for Chelsea? Yeah, just seeing him in press conferences, you know, and, and up close and personal, he, he's, he's not a very happy guy at all. I'm not sure whether that's because of the business Chelsea's done in the transfer market, you know, and, and the fact that he's frustrated without whether it's a simple case of him just, you know, being totally at a loss as to why some of these players are just, just haven't turned up yet this season. That Chelsea look look undercooked. And if you look at the likes of Branislav Ivanovic as well, the, the rapid decline from from this time last year to now, even from May to, to now, you know, Speaking to Alan Pardew after that Crystal Palace game, he said to me that you know it was a deliberate ploy to to double up on Ivanovic, and you know we saw it where Zaha was on him in the first half, and then he brought Balassi on to target Ivanovic, and both goals that Palace scored in that game came down Chelsea's right. So I think we're going to see. Well, you'd like to think from Mourinho, a manager who's tactically astute as well, that you're going to see Ivanovic perhaps dropped or or moved elsewhere. You know, maybe move him into the centre to to play in his more natural position, which I think is highly unlikely. But, you know, they've got uh, Rahman now at left back. So maybe Azpilicueta is going to come in and um, play at right back just, just to give Vanovic a rest, you know, not necessarily drop him. But, you know, you, you can see with Mourinho, the defence, that is the cornerstone of any Mourinho team. So to see them conceding the goals the way they are is, is going to be you know, a major issue for him. Well, Gary, let, let, let's put the, the managerial caps on real quickly because in addition to some of the things that you pointed out with the, the right-sided focus of Alan Pardew and Crystal Palace, how they were going to exploit Ivanovic, there have been a couple other instances of, of Chelsea opponents here in the four games this season really pressing up high and doing everything they can to put ample pressure on defenders when they have the ball, almost taking a little page out of the Mourinho football Bible and, and renouncing possession and putting pressure on defenders or, or defensive midfielders when they have the ball and, and pouncing on mistakes in in true Mourinho footballing Bible fashion. How is he going to combat that? And again, you know, kind of you know, put on your managerial cap here. When a team is really pressing that high against you the way seemingly every Chelsea opponent has this year, how do you come back on that? How do you fix that situation and not get caught out the way they did against Crystal Palace? Well, the key to it is Chelsea aren't playing enough football in the opposition half, so they need to be able to to play in in, in the opposition's half, where whereby teams have got to sit a little bit deeper against them, and they can't put as many men forward and flood the mid, midfield the way they have. The way to do that is to put more bodies in that midfield area, maybe by switching to a, a different formation, such as a four three three, where you you still keep Matic in there and Fabregas, but then it allows Oscar or William to play a bit deeper. And then you, you keep the, the front three of Pedro, Hazard and Diego Costa. I just think at the moment that four two three one isn't working for Chelsea because it means they've got an extra attacker on the pitch where they're a little bit uh, lightweight in that central midfield area where we, we, you know, we've seen this season in the four games they played, you know, even against West Bromwich Albion when they beat them 3-2. But I think the, the signs were there last year when um, Paris Saint-Germain knocked them out of the Champions League in March. Um, you know, Verratti in that game totally and utterly dominated the midfield and Chelsea didn't really have an answer for it. And even though Paris Saint-Germain were down to down to 10 men, they were the better team for the whole 120 minutes of Stamford Bridge because it went to extra time. And, you know, they, they were deserved winners, albeit by away goals. But I think that looking at that game, had uh, Ibrahimovic not been sent off, you'd have been looking at a Chelsea defeat, you know, r- rather than an away goals defeat. And it's something that the club needs to address. And 
you know, when you look at that team now as well, you've got Ruben Loftus Cheek, who's a big physical presence on the bench. You know, there's an argument maybe to if Chelsea do switch a formation to four four three three, or even keep it at the four two three one they're playing at the moment to put Loftus Cheek in there just for a bit more, bit more physicality. You know, a player who is equally um, adept with the ball at his feet as well. So I think there needs to be some changes made because at the moment, you know, it's not working for Chelsea. They've been sussed out, and Mourinho's had two weeks to mull over it, and he's, he's got to come up with a formula now. Gary, 30 seconds before we've got to head to break here. You referenced that front line, that, that three-man, tri- the trifecta, the Pedro Falcao Costa. Everybody healthy going into, going into Goodison? Because it seems like that's going to be a question every weekend for Chelsea this year with those three. Yeah, well, I think Costa was encouraging in his performance for Spain at the weekend. And I know Hazard was, was called the worst player on the pitch against Cyprus despite his goal for Belgium. But the fact he scored, and that's encouraging. So I think you know if, if they can come back with Anthony Knox, then that would be the th- you know, certainly the... The, the front three that we see, and I think Chelsea need them to all be on form. Yeah, talk about being reminded of myself as, as a soccer player. It sounds like the things I would get told. I'd score a goal, I'd be really high on myself, and I'd still get told I was the worst player on the pitch in a given match. Nate Abarea here with Gary Hayes. We are going to talk a little bit more about the Blues and the three Lions on the other side of this break. England to the Euros in 2016. Can the youthful exuberance that they're showing really pay off in France? We'll pose that question to Gary Hayes on the other side of this break. World Soccer Talk Radio. Stay tuned. Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. See the world's best matches live wherever you are with Fox Soccer to go. Watch select live matches on your smartphone, on your tablet, and on your computer. Get the app, get the games, and get your fix. Live soccer and more. Anytime, anywhere. Sign up to watch the Bundesliga and Champions League at SoccerOnDish.com. If you're a soccer fan and you want to cut the cord and watch more of the beautiful game, NGSN may be the online streaming service you're looking for. FreeSoccerTrial.com. With NGSN, you get live, legal, and on-demand access to matches from the Eredivisie, J-League from Japan, K-League from Korea, Argentina's Primera Division, Portugal, Ecuador, Russian Premier League, as well as leagues from Bolivia, Venezuela, and more. The games are in HD, and commentaries are available in your choice of English or Spanish. And this is a completely new and legal way to watch soccer games in the U.S., Try it, and I think you'll be impressed. All you have to do is go to freesoccertrial.com and sign up today for your free 30-day trial to NGSN. Again, that's freesoccertrial.com. Freesoccertrial.com. Cheers. Football season starts Sunday, and you could kick things off by winning $2 million at DraftKings.com, America's favorite one-week fantasy football site. It's the biggest fantasy football contest ever. $10 million in prizes are up for grabs, including $2 million for first place and $1 million for second. One-week fantasy means no season-long commitments. It's fantasy football on demand. Play where you want, when you want, with the players you want. Just pick your players, pile up the points, and pick up your cash. That's it. You've never experienced football like this. It may only be week one, but it already feels like the playoffs at DraftKings.com. And every broken tackle or spectacular catch 
could take you closer to a $2 million payday. This isn't fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. Hurry to DraftKings.com now and use promo code Bonsanto to play for free for a shot at part of $10 million in Sunday's Millionaire Maker event. Enter Bonsanto for free entry now only at DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. Howdy, folks. Colonel Sanders here. Time to shake off that boring old weekend and get back to the excitement of labor. You're going to need a good lunch, though. So stop into a KFC for a $5 fill-up with two pieces of original recipe chicken, mashed potatoes and gravy, a biscuit, a cookie, and a medium drink. Okay, then. I'll let you get back to work now. KFC, it's finger-licking good. Drum thigh side cookie medium drink. Pricing and participation may vary. Tax extra. World Soccer Talk Radio, back here with you on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Nate Abarea here with Gary Hazley, Chelsea correspondent for Bleacher Report. Last Chelsea question here for you, Gary, and it's kind of putting this whole thing in perspective. We've played four matches in the Premier League. Every team is on four games and and separated by just a few points. We're four games into a 38-match season, and people are panicking as if Chelsea have been playing like this for, I don't know, 20, 25 games. I mean, it, it seems like such a product of the, the overreactionary age and the, the ADD football age that we live in. Would you care? I'm going to give you the floor right now, Gary. Would you care to ground anyone and say, hey, let, let's calm down a little bit here as far as this Stamford Bridge panic uh, for the Blues? Or is there really something to panic about that you're seeing here in these first four matches? Yeah, I think certainly to, to panic. It's just the you know how bad they've been defensively, and then you know going forward, you know the likes of Costa and Hazard haven't looked fit at all. And sorry, just to say that Rain Rooney's just scored for England to become the the record all time goal scorer for England. Now it's his fiftieth goal to score a penalty. Sorry, yeah, to, to go back to Chelsea. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I just think it's a big concern because this Chelsea team, when when you look at them, they started the season so well last year, and that you know. From the off, they were a dominant team. They they led the you know the Premier League for thirty eight games. No one could touch them. They they won the league after thirty five games in the season. You know they they were that dominant that you know few teams could get near them. And you know they they really they really made that um, you know their ability and that dominance count. You know early on in the campaign, and then you know as, as it got later into the season, and Mourinho was still using the same eleven players, you could see some fatigue was setting in. But they they had enough of a cushion that where you know that they could you know draw games or you know not have the great performances and win games 1-0 like we saw against Manchester United at the end of the season but the problem is now that Chelsea are playing the same way they did in April or May where they they, they look tired if they're looking tired now that you know that, that doesn't bode well for the rest of the season and Chelsea haven't really done much in the transfer market that allows Mourinho to go out and change it and I think that's where the concern is is that beyond that first 11 Chelsea really don't have much so if those first 11 players aren't performing the way that they should you know, it's going to be a big concern for Chelsea because they can't really chop and change much. And if they can't chop and change much, they've got to stick with that, you know, those 11 players. So when you've got the issues that Chelsea have got defensively with Ivanovic and you know, even the Man Matic in defensive midfield, there's not much outside of it that the Mourinho can do unless he's going to bring some youth players in. And I think for a team that's got, you know, aspirations for retaining the title and winning, you know, back-to-back titles, if you're starting to look to youth team players for, you know, the... The, uh, the the support to you know, to come in and actually start winning games, then I think you've got big problems, and I think that's where the concern is for Chelsea. But over the course of the season, of course, you know, 
it's only four games in. For all we know, Chelsea can go on and win the next 44, uh, 34 games and run away with a record points all. But, you know, is that going to happen? You know, it's beyond, it's, it's not really going to happen, is it? And I think that with, with this Chelsea team, we expect so much more from them. And, that, and that's the concern is that they don't look like the Chelsea that we know. And it's going to take a lot for them to get back to that. And, you know, teams have sussed them out. You know, teams are the Premier League so competitive now as well with some of the money that the lesser teams have, or the so-called lesser teams have been spending. So, you know, Chelsea have got some big problems there that need to be addressed and they're playing big teams at the moment. You know, they've got Everton at this weekend and that's, that's not going to be an easy game for them. And, it's, you know, it's, it's a big concern. Well, Gary, I asked you earlier in the program to put on your managerial cap and I love the, the idea of inserting Loftus-Cheek into this Chelsea side and the things that he could take care of in regards to the way that teams have really come at Chelsea and pressed really high against them. And as we said earlier, really taking a page ironically out of the Jose Mourinho Bible and teams are renouncing possession and saying, we're going to chase your defenders and put you under pressure and make you lose the ball in the midfield, make you lose the ball in your own half and pounce on your mistakes. Be interesting to see what Loftus cheat could do in terms of flooding the midfield in the way that you talked about. It is the Saturday 1245 fixture in the UK live from Merseyside, 445 a.m., Pacific time here in the U.S. of A, 745 on the East Coast. It's the John Stones Derby, as Gary called it. It's returning to the scene of that 6-3 thriller between these two sides at Goodison Park last year. Chelsea and Everton, sure to be a fun one. It's kicking off this upcoming Premier League weekend as we finally return from this long, drawn-out international break. But within the international break, there was some joy for the three Lions, and it looks like they're going to also beat Switzerland today, stay perfect, and a couple of goal scores. Interesting uh, combination here for the 2-0, uh, assuming that it stays that way. Harry Kane, <clears throat> pardon me, Harry Kane and Wayne Rooney. Now, we were having a very interesting discussion off the air a few minutes ago, Gary, about the quote-unquote golden era. Everyone here is in, in England and around the world. They know about the, the English golden era that was expected to bring a lot of joy and, and bring uh, perhaps a few trophies uh, to England didn't exactly work out that way. And it's something that I think as, as the years go by, we're going to get more and more perspective on, on just how golden that era was, or maybe wasn't. But we, we talked about the departures of Lampard and Gerard kind of being the, the nail in the coffin of, of the quote unquote golden era. But then you have Wayne Rooney, who, as you said, Gary, is kind of this last little connector, this, this in-betweener between this new generation of England players and the golden era. I look at this New England team and I see so much youthful exuberance. I see so much just people that want to take defenders on, people that have a, an attitude in the way that they play, a lot of speed, a lot of exuberance. How are you feeling about moving on from the quote-unquote golden era with the English national team, Gary? Yeah, I think, it, I think it's encouraging. I think, you know, a lot of the debate at the moment in England is, is based around the fact that, you know, the, the foreign influ, you know, the influx of foreign players into the Premier League has damaged the England team. But I think if you look at the quality England have got here, I think in a couple of years' time, we could be talking about, you know, another quote-unquote golden era again because there's some exciting players here. Just looking tonight, you've got Harry Kane, who's, you know, he's only had a season in, in you know, top-flight football, and, but he's scoring goals. And he, he scored his third England goal tonight, you know. And it was a big goal as well. It's put England 1-0 up. And then you know, Wayne Rooney's still got, you know, that, that the legs in him. He's, he's still scoring goals. He's, he's Tonight, his goal is, is a record um, for England in terms of his 50th goal. But then also, 
he's the only player to score in seven you know uh, consecutive um, qualifying matches. You know, so it shows that he's still doing the business in front of goal for England, and you know to score fifty goals at international at the international levels, you know, no mean feat. So I think in outside of that, you know, you've got Raheem Sterling, there's Theo Walcott on the bench. You know, John Stones was discussed him briefly tonight at, at, at the back there. Joe Hart is still young for a goalkeeper. You know, they, they've got a good blend of youth, youth and uh, experience here. I just think that English football needs to stop being so down on itself. You know, if, if England get behind this team and, you know, there's a bit of confidence there, that there's no reason why next summer this team can't go on and, you know, shock a few people. Because I think if you look at, you know, teams in, in Europe, you know, maybe outside of Germany, there aren't many teams you'd, you'd look at that England wouldn't give a game, if you like. You know, I'm not saying that they're going to go on and you know, win the European Championship next summer, but I think you look at the state of some of the teams in Europe that England aren't in a bad stage of their transition at the moment. And it's been encouraging. You know, th- these young players have come in after the World Cup and you know, they, they've taken the ball by the horns and they haven't lost a the game. They've won all their games in qualification and the group wasn't the hardest. But you know, the, the old cliche is... you. you you, know, you, you can only beat the teams in front of you. And that's what England are doing at the moment. And they're not just doing it. They're doing it convincingly. You know, if they, it's 2-0 to tonight. If, they, if, they, if the game stays at 2-0, then England have got a you know, plus eight goal difference on their last two games. They've only conceded three goals in the group. So it's looking encouraging. You know, we shouldn't get carried away with it. But I think if you look at this new generation of players coming in, you know, if someone told Roy Hodgson this time last year that England would be in this position now after a horror showing at the World Cup, you know, he would have bitten their hand off. And, you know, the FA would have. there's encouraging signs with this England team. Ross Barkley is the one uh, that I am certainly excited about. And if I were an England fan, I would really be looking forward to the development of Ross Barkley. And you bring up Raheem Sterling. There's a few other examples of these young players with flair. And I always always use this Spanish word on this show, cajones. That's right, having the the, the attitude that I have a defender in front of me. I'm going to take you on. I'm going to do something spectacular because I'm a badass and I've got that attitude. And I see that within this England squad quite a bit and these these young players that whether or not they're getting the the playing time that they should be getting in the Premier League there's an attitude around this camp and people kind of looking at each other with this level of hey we're all youngsters with something to prove and I bring this back to the golden era and what a lot of people I I think I mean and obviously England has been guilty of this for so many years you know this all too well but of of really overhyping this generation of players and, and really setting them up to fail in many ways at the international level. Do you think it's kind of a blessing right now how down on themselves, as you say, uh, the, the England camp is because these young players are going, hey, we're, we're just going out with, with you know everything to prove. Everyone's down on us. And you look at the transition from the golden era. Is that something that, that could really be a kind of a blessing for this England team? We got about uh, 90 seconds before we had to break here, Gary. Well, I think the blessing was the fact that Gerald and Lampard retired after the World Cup, not because I think they're, they're bad <laughs> players. It's just a case of, you know, it's the ripping off the plaster, you know, getting rid of it straight away. Because I think when you see teams in transition, if they keep the connection to that, that older generation of players, that sometimes it can prolong it. Whereas England have got rid of Gerald, they've got rid of Lampard. Rooney is the last connection to that, you know, so-called golden era of English, uh, of English players. And, and now it's allowed these young players to come in where the likes of Ross Barkley are playing every game now. You know, John Stones is in there. There's no Rio Ferdinand. There's no John Terry. You know, so th- these players are able to come in and play, you know, full internationals, have all the pressure on their shoulders and make the most of it. So, you know, I think that's the encouraging thing for England. What they need on the side of that is the club teams to be playing in, in European competition to see Ross Barkley in the Champions League consistently because that's the one thing he's missing by being Everton, which, you know, to go back to John Stones, the biggest disappointment out, out of that whole saga is the fact that, 
he's not going to be playing Champions League football this season. You know, whereas if he was at Chelsea, he he would have been, and that's going to add to him going into European Championship next summer. So I think certainly, you know, it's, it's encouraging, and you know, to see the fact that these young players have got the pressure on them. You know, it's leaving England in a good position. Gary Hayes is our guest here in this edition of World Soccer Talk Radio, breaking down the Chelsea situation, talking about the three Lions and their chances in France 2016 in the Euros. And when we get back, very interesting discussion that I've really been looking forward to here with Gary Hayes. We're talking about the roots of football programs. That's right, actual in-stadium programs in England and their connection historically to Chelsea Football Club. That and more on the other side of this break. World Soccer Talk Radio. Stay tuned. Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Howdy, folks. Colonel Sanders here. Time to shake off that boring old weekend and get back to the excitement of labor. You're going to need a good lunch, though. So stop into a KFC for a $5 fill-up with two pieces of original recipe chicken, mashed potatoes and gravy, a biscuit, a cookie, and a medium drink. Okay, then. I'll let you get back to work now. KFC. It's finger-licking good. Drum thigh side cookie medium drink. Pricing and participation may vary. Tax extra. Are you struggling with addiction or alcohol problems? If you're depressed, drinking, and using drugs, you may need help, and your insurance may offer coverage. I knew I could get myself out of this. I just needed some hope and some help. I took the first step to recovery when I made the call. Call the Addiction Hope and Helpline now for a free assessment with someone who cares. Call 800-521-3214. I feel like I'm losing control. I'm afraid I'll lose my job or even my family. Call now for hope and help with proven gentle recovery programs. I never thought that I could be somebody who didn't drink and use drugs. I'm in recovery, getting the help I need. Call the Addiction Hope and Helpline now for a free assessment with someone who cares. Call 800-521-3214. 800-521-3214. Tired of calls, levies, and liens from the IRS or hiring others who don't get the job done? Call Wall & Associates and you'll never talk to the IRS again. The IRS has a program to eliminate tax debt and Wall & Associates professionals are trained to maximize its benefits for you. You always speak with a live person with real support and real knowledge. We've helped thousands of taxpayers like you settle their tax debt with the IRS for a fraction of what they owe. We solve tax problems. Call Wall & Associates now. 800 480 We have the professionals who know how to solve tax problems. If you owe money to the IRS, your tax problems are not going away by themselves. And the passage of time will only make matters worse. Act now before it's too late. Call Wall & Associates right now to speak to a professional tax relief agent. Call 800-480-5708. That's 800-480-5708. Again. What's the best way to bring people together? T-shirts. T-shirts. Custom T-shirts that you design online with Custom Ink. Custom Ink has created over 50 million shirts for families, teams, reunions, church groups, cheerleaders, companies big and small. On-time delivery is guaranteed, and we'll even ship your order absolutely free. Start designing your Custom Ink t-shirts today and see why 99% of our customers say they would order from us again. Visit CustomInc.com.
World Soccer Talk Radio, back here with you on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Tweet us your take on today's show at World Soccer Talk and tweet me, Nate Abarea, at Nate WST. Gary Hayes is with us, the lead Chelsea correspondent for Bleacher Report. Now, Gary, you also have a a role with a uh, a, a company called Program Master, and uh, you also have a, an infatuation with football programs. And there's an interesting tie into this as you are a, a Chelsea man through and through there's a man by the name of Albert Sewell that you were telling me about back about an hour ago and his connection to the roots of football programs and and in in stadium programs and how important they were to the growth of of English football a long long time ago let, let's kind of let, let's dig back into the history books and and explain to the listeners the roots of of football programs in England and just how important they were back in the day Gary yeah just just to start with Albert Sewell was like a um a much loved figure in in, in sports media in the UK because he also worked for 40 odd years on match of the day as one of the stats guys there so um He's a guy who's well thought of over here, and um, yeah, he had a massive influence on the way programs are now. So, when programs first started out, they they were just literally pamphlets, which would have the um, you know before the, the days of substitutes. Obviously, you know teams had eleven players, and eleven players had played a game. So you'd have the lineup on the on the on the pamphlet, and maybe a little bit of information about the game, and that was it. Whereas when Albert Sewell was doing that for Chelsea in the fifties, he totally transformed it and gave us programs as we see them today. So. He brought in the magazine format, so there was you know more features and everything else. You know, that when people were going to games, they were getting a proper magazine rather than just a pamphlet. And then obviously things grew from there to to get get to get them to where they are now, where they're you know hundred page publications every game. You know, it's it's interesting because you you speak to fans from you know across Europe and you know fans from the states, and they go to the games and they, they don't understand what they're getting. But over here, it's it's a bit of a niche. You know, a um, bit of a niche industry really is an industry that only exists in in Britain. But yeah, it's just um, you go to the game and you know, for instance, at, at Chelsea, you'll get two interviews with the players. Um, you'll get other information around you know the youth teams and you know the women's team and and what have you. But then the big thing is that the reason why everybody buys a program that does buy a program is because you get the manager's notes and you get the the captain's notes. You know, and it's where, for instance, at Chelsea. Jose Mourinho would be directly addressing the fans, speaking directly to the fans. And, you know, John Terry's doing the same. And it happens across all 92 football league, uh, all 92 professional clubs in England. Non-league teams do it. It's a massive, massive industry here. And, um, yeah, it's just a, a way of, you know, documenting games. And, you know, people over here are avid collectors of them as well. So, you know, if you get a, a full collection of the full 19 home games for Chelsea in the league, and then you get on top of that the away games as well, that... You know, years down the line, if those programs stay in good condition, they you know they're, they're suddenly worth you know thousands in some cases. So um, you know, especially just thinking about Albert Sewell when he was doing it at Chelsea in fifty four, fifty five, when when Chelsea won the league, the, you know, a complete collection from that season's you know, it's, I guess it's priceless in some cases, especially for Chelsea fans because it was the first time Chelsea won the league. So it's it's a it's a big deal over here, and it's it's, it's a really traditional um, way of you know people going to games and. You know, for instance, my my brother took his son to the Capital One Cup final in in March, and he's only eight years old, and it was his first game that he went to. First thing my brother did was he wanted to buy a program to, as a record of the fact that he was at the game, and it was his first game. So, it's um, something that's passed down from gener- generation to generation in England. 
Every single match that I have ever attended in England, I have a match program to prove it. That's absolutely right. And, and I love the, the, the collector's aspects of it and looking at it as, as collector's items and priceless uh, collector's items in so many cases. Now, I, I want to transition this now into the modern era because you say that there's some folks, and, and I love your, you know, your friend and, and his son, you know, kind of passing on the, the nostalgia and the beauty and, and this, this great concept of, of what the program means to, to the uh, attendee of, of a football match in England. However, I had an interesting conversation with a gaffer as we were preparing for, for today's show with you, Gary, and that is the, the how, how have football programs adapted, the adaptation to, to the modern era, when most of the stuff that you kind of just threw out there is available at the fingertips of, of most people within, in the smartphone 24-7 news cycle era where there's, there's so much information available literally at the fingertips of, of most everybody in the crowd at a football match. How have, have the, the designers of football programs adapted to this modern era and, and the social media and internet generation and, and made football programs still relevant and, and still liked and, and still important uh, in England? Well, it's interesting you mentioned designers just there because there's a lot of stuff that's coming into them now, which is maybe you know, a little bit too late that should have come in a little bit earlier. You know, st- stuff such as infographics being used in programs now for you know whereas they're not as word heavy you know if you look at a program from the mid 90s you're looking at you know masses and masses of copy on pages whereas now it's um you know there it's a lot more streamlined that the, the content's more bite sized you know maybe getting to the the boring you know side of it there but you know yeah it's that they're a lot more illustrated so you're looking at them and you know, it, to appeal to a younger fan you don't want to be too word heavy and yeah, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But then the USP of them is that they are this collector's item where fans are able to get stuff from, you know, if you, for instance, go back to Chelsea, if you're going to a Chelsea game, you're getting an interview that isn't anywhere else. You're getting Jose Mourinho's notes where he's directly talking to the fans that isn't available anywhere else. And that, that's what fans are buying it for because it's a direct link to the club. You know, the, the, if, if you go, if you're a Manchester United fan going to watch Chelsea, unless you're an ardent collector of programmes, you're not going to buy it. They are literally just for the, just for the fans of of that team, you know, and I guess it, it kind of taps into the the fanzine culture, you know. Whereas it's, it's the club directly addressing the fans rather than fans addressing fans, and that's the USP of programs that they, you know that they appeal to a, a small group of people. But as a collective, you know, those ninety two clubs where fans are are going every week, it's, it's the way the club directly you know communicates with the fans, and that's what fans are paying for. And you know, they're getting that insight from Mourinho, they're getting that insight from John Terry, and then you know, also you get you know. We, we work with Fulham and for instance, you'll get Les Strong doing a, a column where, you know, he's an old legend at the club and he'll be doing a column about you know, his time at Fulham and, you know, re- recounting the glory days of 1975, etc. So it's just a way of, you know, keeping fans, uh, fans in touch with the club now. And then obviously new fans, you know, give them a bit of history about the team so they can understand the culture around, around the club. You know, I, I guess, uh, it's, it's kind of like a newsletter, but a well-made newsletter, and it's you know professionally done, and it looks good, and you know the content's good, and it just you know plays into the fans being part of that club. 
Well, it's absolutely brilliant. One of the things that you pointed out in there, and that is the the exclusivity of of many of these interviews and how they're only given uh, to to the program. And there's a true connection with the supporters through these things. And it feels like it's taking a club like Chelsea that has become such a a worldwide entity. And there's Chelsea fans in you know a hundred different countries around this world. Probably probably even more. There's Chelsea fans all over this globe, and yet it brings it right back to, to southwest London. I mean, it feels like it's a neighborhood thing with these programs, and it's bringing clubs back to their roots. Do, do you feel that way? Yeah, certainly. You know, like I say, it's, it's, a, it's an excellent communication tool for, you know, for fans to keep in touch with, you know, with, with the club, and especially, you know, I know we do live in this digital age now where you know, everything is available on, online and over social media, but then you know, going to games, you've got a lot of people that, that aren't necessarily uh, you know IT literate that don't use websites that you know that aren't following you know the clubs on social media so it's another way of tapping into that fan base and so you know by keeping the programs there it's ensuring that you know all, all bases are covered and especially just just looking outside of you know the clubs when you, know, you go to the FA Cup final and you get you know the FA Cup final program you know now you're paying for your tea for it because you're paying about you know twelve fourteen pounds which I don't know it's about thirty dollars for a program which is a lot but then at the same time, you know, you, you want the whole experience and you go there and you've got your ticket and you've got your, you've got your program with all the information about the game and the interviews and the insight. You know, it, it just gives something that you can't get online. It's that tangible product that fans still like. They like to come away with something that they can keep that, you know, is the memory of the game. And, you know, whether it was the fact that they came over from America to watch Chelsea against Manchester United or whether they're at Wembley to watch them lift the FA Cup, you know, it's that tangible memory of the fact that they were there and they witnessed it. Gary, we've got about five minutes left here with you, and you brought up fanzine culture. And, and for those of you who haven't had the, the privilege of attending a match in a UK, uh, in, in the UK, fanzines are, are one of my favorite things uh, around various grounds and kind of comparing and contrasting different sets of fanzines. Would you care to kind of enlighten some of the listeners who might not uh, be in touch with that culture, what the, what the fanzine is? And, and what I'm actually really curious about uh, as we're kind of breaking down this history of these match programs and, and, and literary material and, and graphics and all this stuff. When did fanzines really become a thing in England, Gary? I don't know exactly when they became a thing, but they, they've been around forever, just as long as the program, I think. You know, again, they're just another tool of, for fans to keep in touch with fans. And you know, the, the way they've worked in the past is you know, just speaking from personal experience at Chelsea because it's the one that I've had more involvement with than anything else. It's, it's just a way of the fans having a voice and the fans you know, coming together and you know, campaigning against certain issues that may be at the club and you know, ensuring that they're well represented. You know, at, at Chelsea, there's this... Um, there's a group called the Chelsea Pitch Owners, and the way it's very unique in football in that the fans own that Stamford Bridge pitch, and that all came about from the 80s when Chelsea didn't own Stamford Bridge, and there was the risk that the property developers were going to knock it down and you know build a whole load of luxury flats on it, and Chelsea, right, the Chelsea fans were able to buy the pitch, and now the fans own that pitch, and if Roman Abramovich wants to do anything with Stamford Bridge, he can't because that pitch is is you know belongs to the Chelsea fans. Chelsea don't actually own it, and that that all comes around from the fanzine because people with you know communicating through the fanzine getting that voice of fans you know getting people together it's a way of the fans keeping together getting that fan movement going and you know now the most influential fanzine at Chelsea is one called CFC UK which is run by a chap called Dave Johnson Dave Johnston who's very influential at Chelsea but that fanzine 
you know, like I say, it gives those fans a voice, but it allows for things to be organised, such as when you see the flags out before the game that, you know, they pop up and, it, you know, it says the Pride of London and it sails across the Matthew Harden stand. That's the people, the fanzine arranging that. And it's the fans communicating and, you know, it's the way of them getting their messages across, them, you know, creating that culture of fandom around the club. And it works with Arsenal, it works with Manchester United, it works with Liverpool, it works with, you know, even going down to the smaller clubs like Barnet, you know, it's just this way of fans having their voice and being represented and, you know, keeping together and, you know, getting that movement going. And, you know, that, that's what it's all about in, you know, English fan culture. And, you know, the fanzine's a big part of that. I love it. Organization, communication, and true taking of action through these publications. I mean, this goes so much beyond just football, the power of these small publications and passing these things out and, and selling them for a couple of quid and the, the things that can actually get done through these fanzines and even tying it back to the match programs. These are methods of communication. Absolutely love this conversation, Gary. Who would you say, uh, I know you work a lot with, with all the Chelsea stuff and whether it's the official match programs or the fanzines outside of Chelsea here in the, the minute and a half that we got left, who are some of the other uh, the clubs where their their programs and fanzines? Uh, you, you look at them and go, these ones are quality. Yeah, I think if j- just for the official program, if you look at Arsenal, what they produce is excellent. They're, they're a club that they might not necessarily get it right on the pitch a lot, but <laughs> I think their, their media department's exceptional. They do everything really well. They're, they you know they run their digital department very well, and their program is probably the best program in the Premier League. You know. They they held a meeting at the end of last season where all the Premier League clubs went along and you know it was a way of all the clubs coming together and that and you see what Arsenal are doing a lot of other clubs are copying because what they do they do it very well because they've got a good budget behind it they've got an excellent team they've got a brilliant editor um, they've got you know g- uh, g- good designers on it it's just a really really good high end product that you wouldn't necessarily expect of a program and it's, you know there's, there's a lot in there there's yeah, even down to silly things that people might not necessarily pay attention to, but working in the industry, you know, down to different paperweights throughout. They have, um, you know, collectible um, cards that get ripped off throughout the season that, you know, which is mainly for kids to get them buying the program, you know, where they rip off the cards and they collect it like, you know, Panini stickers. You know, that, that's a really well-made program. And then um, just t- talking about the fanzine, I think um, Fulham, there's a guy called David Lloyd that does... Um, it's called there's only one f in fulham and um he, he's a good friend of mine but he um he he produced an excellent phenomenal fanzine about fulham there and um it, it's, it's something that represents the club well and um you know th- there's other people such as um liam curry to get involved with him as well and a guy called um joe chavot that, that they're they're the team behind that and um yeah it's just a, a really good movement and you go down to the cottage and you see what they're doing with that and you know, yeah, it just shows fans in a positive light. And, you know, it's something that's, um, that's encouraging and, and pleasing to see. Gary, it's always great having you on the show. You're welcome back anytime, mate. And uh, best of luck this Saturday on Rabble.tv, calling your beloved Blues as they head to another Blue House, Goodison Park, Everton, and at Chelsea on Saturday. Best of luck with that, and thanks again for coming on, man. Yeah, I think I'll need it. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers to you. Gary Hayes, lead Chelsea correspondent for Bleacher Report. Back to take the express train home on the other side of this break. World Soccer Talk Radio. Stay tuned. Health insurance is on everybody's mind right now. You either don't have it or you have it and you think it's too expensive. And you probably feel like you don't have any options. We can help. We are the Health Markets Insurance Agency. We offer health insurance plans from major carriers nationwide and likely have a plan that can save you money. 
Whether you're self-employed, on a COBRA plan that's about to expire, or you simply don't have health insurance where you work and you need it, the Health Markets Insurance Agency can help you. Our agents will help you find coverage you can afford. Health Markets Insurance Agency is an authorized agency in all 50 states, including the District of Columbia. Plans may not be available in all states. 800-614-1242. Are you an inventor who would like to try to have an invention or idea patented and submitted to companies? but you don't know what to do next. Call for free information from InventHelp. InventHelp, a leading inventor service company, has been helping inventors since 1984 and has sales offices located in more than 60 cities nationwide. You'll want to talk to the company that has helped secure more than 7,000 invention patents. So call InventHelp. Even if you have an idea for improving an existing product and don't know where to go with it, you'll still want to call InventHelp for free information. You'll find out how InventHelp may assist you in trying to patent your invention and submit it to companies. So call now. Call InventHelp at 1-800-316-1738. That's 1-800-316-1738. Get your free information by dialing 1-800-316-1738. That's 1-800-316-1738. 1-800-316-1738. Today, more than ever, Americans need a means to protect their life savings. With a troubled economy and government spending out of control, they've been forced to promote loose money policies, which decreases the value of the dollar and promotes inflation. Birch Gold Group can help you protect your savings by rolling over all or a portion of your IRA or 401k into an IRA backed by physical gold. Take advantage of the best gold prices in years and enjoy the long-term hedge against inflation that gold provides by moving into a gold IRA from Birch Gold Group, the precious metal IRA specialists. Call Birch Gold Group today for a free consultation on how a tax-free rollover to a gold IRA can offer stability, protection, and the peace of mind that your life savings, which you've worked so hard to build, is safe. Call 888-221-0010 and receive Birch Gold's free information kit, which offers the best-kept secrets for safeguarding your savings with gold. Call 888-221-0010. That's 888-221-0010. So during the past few months, we have created a new weekend tradition, which includes watching your favorite team play on TV, muting the broadcast, and then heading over to Rabble.tv to hear audio during the game from a cast of characters ranging from the full-time Devils, Sam Kelly, Carter Krishnayer, Juan Arango, and many others. Well, now Rabble.tv is taking it to the next level with a brand-new redesign as well as new apps for Android and iOS smartphones and tablets. So no matter whether you're at home or on the road, tune into this Saturday's broadcast between Everton and Chelsea and listen to a lad by the name of Gary Hayes. Hey, I know him. He was on my show today. Gary Hayes from the Bleacher Report sharing his thoughts and opinions during the Everton and Chelsea class. Chelsea only recording one win out of four games so far. Gary saying, yeah, he'll probably need that luck that I gave him as he just left the show a few minutes ago. It's more important than ever for the Blues to put in a convincing performance against Everton at Goodison Park this Saturday. Look forward to the tasty matchup. Yes, indeed, this tasty, tasty matchup. The John Stones Derby, as some are calling it. With Rabble, you can get involved, too, by posting your questions or observations in the comments section. And if you got an iPhone or an Android, install the Rabble TV app and add a comment to the broadcast message board. 
Get involved, then listen live via the app or create your own broadcast. Call one of your team's games. It's easy. It's free. Sign up today. Try it out. Rabble.tv. And join Gary Hayes this Saturday, 7.45 a.m. Eastern time here in the U.S. of A. For Everton and Chelsea from Goodison Park. Rabble.tv, where it's your team and it's your call. For Dom Jimenez and the gaffer and Gary Hayes, my name's Nate Abarea. Cheers. Bye for now.